everything's going. My brother, dude, yeah, uh, great workout this morning. Crushed. Fun having you here. We got to give a, a big shout out to Nick for hooking us up. Totally. I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah. I was like, we couldn't do this without Nick. Right. So Nick is the man and uh, he's, been, he's been awesome. We've been friends for a while. He's just a great dude. Good cat. Great dude. I got lucky hooking up with him. Uh, he reached out and uh, you spend one day with him and you're like, okay, you're, you're in the circle. Yeah, he's fired up too. So, um, and it's such a cool circle that I'm putting together with, with everybody. And it's such a thing that it is, and it hasn't been a long time, but it made me level up in other aspects. And being around guys that are at the pinnacle of what they do, uh, like you, uh, like Nick, uh, like Rampage Jackson or Ed Millette, any of these kind of guys, it's cool to see the similarities that you wouldn't think, but there's that something going on in the mindset where we're just barbarians from birth and we need to do battle and we got to get better. I think we said that more than anything today was, you know, programming our minds and that mindset. That was the similarities, you know, I just reflecting on your path, my path, and then guys like that, like we said level up a bunch this morning and we said mindset. So it's like, yes, people are used to hearing that, but what's really going on in our minds that got us to this point? You know, like we just said, whether it was a guy that grew up on the streets or you found a motivation and a connection of reality with real purpose so that no matter what you're doing, nothing can stop you. You know, that's, that's a similarity that I see and I see in, in you too. So it's cool to see that come to fruition and it's just cool to talk about too. So something about you is um, relative to, I've had MMA fighters, you know, like Rampage on here, uh, Clay Guida, and these guys are fighting somebody, but there's rules to it. Um, but like Rampage came from the streets where there's no rules. You've upped it another notch uh, to where you're going and, and your sole purpose is to end the threat, may as I fast say. As possible. And yeah. keep you safe and keep everybody safe around you and, and, and everybody over here in America safe, even if they don't support or whatever. You're doing something that is absolutely, uh, I cannot comprehend. Never been a military guy. Uh, uh, I've gone over and supported the military because I believe we should support them. They do so much for us, more than I could even say thank you to. And I've done six USO tours, and I got to tell you a funny That's awesome. story. That's awesome. Some funny stories with some SEALs. Um, of course. But something that you do is, is you are at the pinnacle of war. What made you decide to do it? Well, one of the things you talked about is like guys in MMA or guys that are fighting, you know, there's, there's no, there's rules, right? So there's just a different approach with the lifestyle that we had to live about living that where it was either life or death. We we're just talking about how I approach everything as if my life depends on it, right? And when you add that level of intensity, it's, it's so much more effective. And there's a contrast there. Like even in the octagon, I think about it, it's like there's a ton of rules. So whatever rules the, there is in the octagon, they're probably good to do in the street, right? There's just a big difference between combatives and fighting. But when you talk about why I did what I did, you know, from an early age, like I was always driven. I always was passionate about what I was doing. And honestly, uh, I just linked up with my buddy the other day, uh, John Devine. He runs Divine Canines. But we were seven years old, and we had said that we're going to become SEALs one day. I remember walking down the road with him to this day. He was like, yeah, so like, uh, we're gonna train to be like Navy SEALs. I was like, what, what is that? What's a Navy SEAL? He's like, yeah, I know this guy that used to train and they're like the baddest dudes on the earth and they are the tip of the spear and, oh. <laughs> right, so right. So, uh, sorry. So, so, so something yeah. just happened. Yeah. <laughs> Take him on over. That's awesome. There's the little Titan. And that's what it's all about. What's up, dude? Titan is made his appearance. Oh, look at the shirt. This is the first time meeting him, so. What's up, buddy? You are a little stud. Stay standing. Right take a leg. Take a leg, <laughs> Titan. That's everything right there. So oh. I, had, I had to. Uh, yes. <laughs> He's eyeballing him. Hi. What's up, baby? So cool. Little three month old. He's so cute. He smiled at him. Yeah. As soon as I said, take a leg, he was like, I'm up for it. Yeah, he's ready. <laughs> Ready to go. So funny. Wow, that's awesome. Congratulations, guys. Thank so you. Amazing. You got four kids. I have four kids. I know we jump subjects here, yeah, but you, you got four what? kids. You know, that's what it's all about. <laughs> that's what it's all about. Oh. <laughs> so, 
you were a 17 year old, right? Yep. So okay, so you're walking with your friend. Yeah, I was walking the, with my friend. And, and, and this is the this is the idea of I'm sure we could even go dive into this as well, but when did you decide? When did you have that drive and that passion to be like, this is what I want to do? And I gotta stop you because you said that you can picture that moment and that conversation today. Hundred percent. Like it happened yesterday. Hundred percent. And you know, just because, and even anybody that's listening to this, that doesn't mean you need to be seven years old. It doesn't mean you need to be 17 or 20 or whatever whatever point you are in your life. It's making the decision for something that you're so passionate about and that you love so much that nothing will There's stop so you. There's so many similarities between. I love that. I mean, it's true, right? It's no, the no, truth. No, no, no. I won my first bodybuilding show at 14, and I walked off stage, and I said, I will do this for the rest of my life. That was your commitment. It right was, there. I will be like Arnold and Bruce like Lee and do movies. Because right that's how it, it happened. That's how it happened. I know like, that moment. Yep. Nothing's going to stop you. And listen, I was a, I was a punk. I, I was 14, 15, 16 years old. I got in all kinds of trouble. I was hanging around with the wrong people. I was, you know, hurting myself, drinking, you know, doing things that I shouldn't have been doing. And I got off track. And, and it's very easy to let that happen to you, especially in today's day and age. And right. luckily... I had a day where I was at the lowest low and I literally, if I could say that moment that God came down and grabbed me by the shoulder was like, hey, don't forget what you've always wanted to do. And it literally happened that quick for me. The next day I went to the recruiter's office. It was like, you know that dream that I talked about when I was seven years old? I was like, I'm all in right now and this is what I'm doing. And I'm signing up to be a SEAL. And I don't know how I looked walking in there. Bald head, <laughs> skinny, probably lucky to weigh 125 pounds. I'm sure the guys looked at me like, yeah, okay, uh, get in line, pal. You know. But I was so convicted of that that nothing was going to stop me. It did not matter what it was. You could say anything to me and it would just go, I'd be like, yeah, okay. Whatever you're saying, I'm already, I'm already moving you're past already doing, you because yeah. I know where I'm going. And it was that strong in my conviction and 17 years old, signed up, went in. I was at Bud's at 18 years old. I was, some of the Ready. youngest dudes there were 18 years old, and there was guys that were 20, 25, some were even uh, 30 years old. But being very young, I still had a lot of immaturity, you know, that I, I learned over a long period. But that was it. I mean, I wanted to be part of the best of the best. I wanted to put myself in positions that not only went to hunt down evil, but to protect freedom and to just to be with the best, to, to be able to prove that I had the capability to follow through with my passion and I was gonna do whatever it took. I mean, I literally remember sitting in Bud's being on the payphone with my mother and you know, we get a lot of our experiences and mentality from our parents and the people that we're surrounded by, right? At an early age, that's important because you're programming everything that everything. you're gonna do for the rest of your life. Your decision-making process, whether you go the easy path or the harder path, who is around you to help you push you through those moments and my mom, I'll never forget, I'm, here I am, 18 years old. I'm like, yeah, you know, we got Hell Week coming up. It's going to be tough. And she's like, what? Just shut up. She's like, anything that happens to you, your leg could be falling off. Nothing's going to stop you. I was like, you're right, mom. Nothing's going to stop me. But it was so good to just hear that from her. You know, so, so what you hear from the people around you is so important. And it was just one of those iconic moments in my journey to be able to become a SEAL through the unknown. And I like the unknown. And I even knew growing up and having some challenges growing up that the unknown and the challenges are what made me better. Even though I followed a, a path that was, I was screwing up and I wasn't on the, on the right journey, that I was able to hit the reset button and no matter where you are, you can hit that reset button to go after what you truly believe in. And I think that that's a huge similarity. You know, we've been coming up with those all day and I think that's, that's an awesome part of it. But that's what made me want to be a part of the best in the world. You know, once I found out there was a pathway to be able to become even better or at another phase, I was like, I'm all in. I'm all in and I'll do whatever it takes. So and why didn't you, because you became a Navy SEAL, and if I'm correct, it's uh, uh, SEAL Team 6. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. And they're kind of famous for what? I mean, they're the, they're the tier one unit of the world, which means that they need to be able to respond to just about every high-level threat. And the leadership that has taken place in that community is unlike anything that exists in the world because we've been at warfare for longer than we've ever been in our history. Right. And the experience that's in that command is unreal. But you could have gone Army or something else. Why did you want to keep going and going and pushing into that? Well, the it? big aspect of SEALs also is water, the dynamic of water. When I was talk, talking to you about that today, like the cold and the water, 
will show you who somebody is. That's why I really believe in free diving and, and waterman survival is because you expose a lot of your, your mindset is pushing through, dealing with situations in an uncomfortable environment. But the water aspect of it too is a big driver for me because I, I grew up on the water. I grew up right down the street from the beach. You know, I would go surf torture myself by myself in the, you know, that's Already. probably completely, <laughs> completely unsafe, right? <laughs> Trying to drown myself. Um, and I don't recommend you do that. Make sure you have a swim buddy. But being near the water and loving being in, near the ocean was a huge reason being a SEAL was important to me. I loved be my buddy and I that were young, we used to try to drown each other in the pool, do drown proofing, tie each other oh, up, typical stuff, do right? breath holding. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't normal stuff. I mean, we probably almost died several times doing it, but we cared about it that much. Right. You know, So I think the water dynamic was the biggest thing that pushed me towards that. But also, I went to the library to do a research project in school, and I started pulling out all these Navy SEAL books. I think there was like three at the time. There's probably like endless amounts now. Right. But I pulled out the three books, and I'm just looking at all the cool gear these guys have, and the guns and equipment, and these guys sneaking and peeking in the jungle. I'm like, this is it. This is my career. I got this it. This is my career choice. I'm like, I am doing this. So. Again, it was just it was that drive, consistent kind of messaging. And you, you know. knew all about Hell Week and all that, and the twenty-four hour days and the cold water. And Before you knew, I went, yeah, no. When you said, not when you went to sign up, but when you decided, seal, this is it. Yep. Then you knew, no. Well, I started to do the research. Then. Okay. The, again, we were just talking about overthinking your training. Done. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So you start processing like, well, what about this? Well, what about this? And people put themselves in a state of paralysis. It's like, get out of that. For me, that, that was a perfect example. I'm glad you brought that up because there wasn't any questions. I didn't have any questions. I was like, I'm just going to do it so it doesn't matter. My questions don't matter. I don't care gonna, what you throw at me. I'm out, going. I'm going to find out the hard way. And I'm going to learn through the experience and I'm going to apply that. I'm going to roll it back into what I'm doing and I'm going to become a better version of myself. So there wasn't a question. So I didn't need to overanalyze what I was going to get into. It didn't matter what I was going to get into. All it mattered was what the goal was. And I think that's a huge, I'm so glad you brought that up. I love that. I love that. It, it, you had your vision insight and nothing was going to, nothing. And when I mean nothing, I don't mean going to work out, staying on a nutrition plan. The stuff that you guys had to do uh, and they have to do is such a torture on, on not just the body, but the psyche. The mind. Can you tell us some of the stuff that you had to do? Uh, well, I think the guys always ask me, like, what's the biggest part of BUDS? Or was this, you know, the hardest part? The hardest part for me wasn't the physical aspect of it. You know, we're all going to be challenged physically, and your body will adapt over time, especially if you're training. But it was the unknown that you had to be okay with. You know, I grew up in an environment where I kind of embraced the unknown. You know, I was with my mom, and I mean, I don't know how many times we moved from different house to house to house. So I was always used to kind of shifting different environments. So it wasn't anything new to me to just be like, oh, I'll just adapt. You know, and adaptation is the biggest thing. So the unknown aspect of buds and not knowing what you're getting into, like what's behind the next curtain, that's what screws a lot of people up right here. Because they're like, whoa, they're telling me that this is going to be the worst thing that I've ever been through, that, through that door. And this sucks right here. And they're telling me it's going to be worse. worse? And you would literally watch people quit in those moments. Literally people are like in the surf zone or in an evolution and they're like, you know what? I can't handle the unknown. I would literally feel people like get up and like, whoa, like where are you going? Like you're, oh, yeah, well, you're I'm not done, done, man. No. And you just see this, the you just change see this of the glazed eyes. over look. They just become a zombie and they walk away. Like in the middle of the night, they're just gone because of the unknown that was getting ready to happen. And that is what messes with so many people. And there's unknown in everything that we do. Every challenge that we face, every time we try to push through adversity, come in here to work out with you this morning. Straight up, it was unknown, right? I'm like, I don't, these guys are professionals. This is what they do every day. Like, what's the workout going to be? And to me, it did not matter. I was excited about the unknown. I'm like, I can't wait to get into it. And I learned so much because I went into it with an open mind. So I, 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 I got to stop because that's awesome you say that. You just say, I don't care what it is. What are we doing? What I don't care. What are we training? And then you hear legs. You're like, okay. Which is funny because I hear stories later. Hey, this guy was supposed to train with me. No, he said, no, he ain't coming to train with you. A violent plan, a good violent plan executed right now is better than a perfect plan executed next week. It's never going to be perfect. So just get started and learn through your experience and adversity and pressure and unknown and then the questions will get answered for you. There was so much said, that we've covered today said, so. that, that is, is the similarities or, or the statements we talked about, uh, buds and apps and stuff like that. And, and again, well, I don't know what's perfect, but just get started. 
Just get started. Just get started on all this aspect. Yeah. Training, whatever it is, goal setting, uh, uh, getting the mind stronger, joining the military at 17. Um, and, and you continue to grow. And you are a, a, a father yep. of four. Father so of I got four. some questions for you because uh, I'm a big supporter of the military. Um, and, and, I, and I did some fun USO tours going overseas. And... Um, it is a different world over there. From an average Joe, in a sense, um, living here in America with my incredible freedom that I have because of guys like you, I first of all say thank you to you and everybody out there that's uh, uh, doing their part. Absolutely. The mindset on you guys is a different level, a completely different level. I put up a, a story months ago. Um, because we went over there, me and a couple other gladiators, and we were doing gladiator games against the Army, um, the Air Force, and the Navy. And then they said, hey, you guys want to go to some Marine bases, which not a lot of celebrities go to because of the war and what's going on. But it was at the end. It was safe. They said, we're going to fly you on over and Blackhawks and all this. And I'm like, uh, okay, this is great. Wow. So we fly on over to some of these, and some of these Marine bases are small. 170 guys to 250 guys. A little small operating bases. Yeah, 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 just, you're in it. You are in it. Yep. You're, um, you're, you're hanging it out there. Yeah. Like a lot of these little bases, too, I mean, even you going there, you're hanging it out there. I mean, guys get mortared, guys get in gunfights at night. Uh, so for those of you guys that don't know what that is, that forward operating base, it's kind of like you have your main bases, but then they have these little outposts. And those, yeah, the main bases the, are back here, yep. safe zones. And they are, they're hanging it out there, they're all barricaded up, and you know, yeah. you have to go come to and from so you're definitely exposing yourself but I was truly honored to be one of the few celebrities that got to do that so that that hands down one of the greatest things I ever got to do to go see those guys um and the the conditions they live in it is what it is it's in a situation where it's front bases in the sense um there's not good food uh shelter's not that great um and so what you guys are doing is that much more extreme but the mindset Here's the stuff that I love. Um, it was me being over there for 14 days, which was a long tour for, for, these guys, for us to be over there yeah, for 14 is, days cool. visiting. Yep. And we hit about six different bases a day. Then we jump in the Blackhawk, go to the next one, next one, next one. Cool. Um, so when we went to the, mil- uh, the Marine bases, we get there and um, uh, the crew starts setting up the Gladiator stuff. And they're like, we don't do that shit here. We do real stuff here. And we're like, what? And they were like, we're going to do some bowl in the ring. And uh, I'm tired. It's been days. And I did the one thing a guy should never do on some base like that. Is like, hey, guys, I'm just here to meet you guys, say hello and stuff like that. What do you think happened? You probably got thrown right into the <laughs> Oh, man. 250 Marines. And it's on video. And they're just screaming, going, you, you know, Titan ain't shit. Um, so I'm like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> That's um, awesome. Man. You'll never forget that, though. That's never. Such, such an awesome Never. Movie, and, and they videoed this whole thing. And now, now I'm going to say something that sounds bad, but the reason why I'm saying it is because of the mindset of this kid, and, and it, a few people understand this mindset, you, you being one of them. Um, this big boy calls me out, find out later he's a college wrestler. And he goes, I-, I want you. Let's go. And I'm like, all right, let's do this. And we go out there, and, and we get into the mix, and we're doing it and stuff. And uh, uh, I pop in, get an underhook, uh, bear hug, pick up, body slam. And I knew I had a quarter of a second to jump on his chest, drop back into an arm bar. Works perfect. Twist the wrong way, snap his arm. Oh. Accident. Yeah, yeah. Nobody yeah, in yeah, the yeah. world could see that coming. Yep. And, but it happened. Uh, he was there. He was uh, deployed. He was he was over there doing what he's doing, protecting us. He called me out. We did that, and I'm up, and I'm like, dude, oh my gosh, it just happened so quick. You know how that. Yep. He goes. First thing he says. Any idea what he says to me? Don't worry. It's no big deal. It's all good. Thank you for not taking it easy on me. Yeah. What? <laughs> we just broke your arm. Thank you for not taking it easy on me. That is such a mentality nobody has. Yep. And, and, to, and, and something happened that was bad. And him, his first thing that happens is, thanks for not taking it easy on me. 
I'm like, that is a different human. That is a different mindset. That guy's there going, I'm here, but I want to do battle with you. Yeah, Whatever that, happens, happens. That experience right there is, that's the mentality of knowing, like, it, it is a gift. It's a blessing to meet people that will push you like that. I do combatives. I've done combatives my whole career. And like I was talking about before, it's, it's life or death. It's like, how far can we push combatives? This isn't sparring, right? And sparring helps. Everything with martial arts right. helps. But how do you really push combatives? Like, I train to fight, stab, and shoot something, right? You can't do that on humans, right? You can't do that and get away with it and get reps in. You know, right. It doesn't, you kill somebody. So how do I train that way to push it as hard as I can? And there's very few people out there that are like, oh, I love to get my ass handed to me every day and train <laughs> this as my life. You know, no big deal. Stab me with the trainer and muzzle strike me and hit me as hard as you can. And when you meet somebody like that, you're like, okay, it's a different mindset. You get it. You get that we're training because our lives depend on it. And that, was, that response is exactly the type of mentality where you're like, Thank you for pushing me. He had a real fight. That was experience. He gained experience. You both had gained experience in that moment. And when you walk away from something like that, it's like you're always going to learn. When, I, when I'm pushed to that level, I'm going to learn from it. You know, when I see an angle that I've never saw before, he never saw that angle before. And I guarantee you he walked away from that being like, okay, I could have done this better. I could have done this better. Yeah, and he started yeah. analyzing. Like, I How do you have discussions with people that aren't that? I don't know. Because that's, that's a... That's a that's a mindset. When I go in and train, I don't go in there to be a bodybuilder or powerlifter. I go in there because I need this battle. And I got to find the weakest. How can I put myself in the weakest position and lift the most weight in that position? I love it. Because I know I can go over here and do proper position and then crush people. Still. So, so it's hard for me to communicate that to people that are just going and going, uh, I just want to look good. I want to win a show. And I never, I never, I wanted to win shows. I always wanted to win. I wanted to win in martial arts. I wanted to win in powerlifting. I wanted to win. But it wasn't the winning that was the ultimate goal. It was who am I going to be when I get to there? And then what's next? That's not the finish point. And everybody thinks like you win a show. Ah, we finished. We made it. I'm golden. I can retire. And it's like, no, no. What's next? Why can't I be better? Yeah. And it's, I think, I think the, it's like, what is your purpose and how is it connected to your reality? So when you take a look at somebody training, so say if I'm gonna train with a 17-year-old girl, she's getting ready to go to high co uh, college, getting out of high school. If I start training with her, I need to get to the bottom very quickly of what's in her head to know where she's gonna be able to push. If I'm gonna push her to protect herself and deal with a life-threatening scenario and protect her family, and go to a, a risky spot at night or go to walk to her car and deal with a threat, where do I start? And what it certainly isn't is it certainly isn't I'm gonna start by throwing a jab and we're gonna get some positioning in and all that's great if you're coming to learn that but if I really get time with somebody, it goes right here first. What do you fear? What are you afraid of? What do you truly, where nobody else can hear that voice in your head, what scares the shit out of you? That's where I start. Because if I can identify that, and if you're really truthful with, my, with me and yourself, then we can attack what you're afraid of and crush it down to nothing. Now we can build you back up. And that's where it starts with everybody else and building that purpose. So if I can get to the, the psyche of somebody and really get into their head, now after they crush their fears, that purpose gets built back up to say, okay, well, I don't have anything to be afraid of. Now I'm focusing on what's purposeful in my life and what's really driving me towards that goal. It's not just superficial anymore. It's real. And I feel that every day. Like you said, your life, our lives literally depend on what we do every day. There's no option for me. When I wake up and that alarm clock goes off, I put my feet on the ground. I'm like, thank God for giving me another day. And I'm like, I am ready to get after it. I don't have a choice. There is no choice for me. There's no other way That's except funny. just go. I just, you know? Everything you're saying is I relate to, uh, even though... Uh, to everybody watching this, it's, I'm relating it to my weightlifting and, and the way I live my life and how I do my 24 hours, 22 hours outside of the gym. I go to bed at this time. Why? So I can get up at this time. Why? Well, because then I need to train at this time. And I'll give up anything else around that so I can keep that foundation because I know that foundation and what I'm doing will keep me away from what I'm scared about. What am I scared about? I am scared of being average. I'm scared of everybody else going, hey, I look good for 30. I, I, that, that, that disgusts me and scares the shit out of me that one day I'm going to wake up and go, hey, I'm 
good for 50. Yeah. It's like, ah, oh, no. Yeah. No, I yeah. love tussling with, I don't care if they're NFL players playing right now at 22 years old, I'm going into crush. Yeah. It's, it's the mentality, I'm from New England, and I hear a lot of people, I'm sure it happens everywhere, but there's this mentality of like, well, at least you got a job. At least you got something going on. What and is, I'm like, what is exactly, that? Exactly, it scares the shit out of me. I'm like, what kind of attitude is that? What kind of approach to life is that? At least you have a job. Like, there's so much more to life, mentally, physically, and spiritually, that people are missing out on because they can't shift their mindset. They can't crush what they're afraid of and then fixate on something that's so real and they're so passionate about that they can just pull them forward no matter what. Because to me, there's no option. And at the end of the day, anything can happen and it's not going to break me, literally till I'm dead. I, you know, I, I gave uh, the Patriots defense a, a pre-Super Bowl speech. I'm saying to myself, you know, what do I tell these guys to set them up for success? And I'm not gonna walk in there and be like, hey, Mike, uh, you need to do this physically uh, here, here, and here because it's going to make you better. I'm like, there's nothing that's going to happen to you over one night physically that's going to make you better tomorrow. Nothing. I'm not going to tell you how to do a rep. I'm like, boom, I'm done right there. So it starts right here. And I'm like, look, when you guys walk over that white line and you're together, nothing else matters except for the man next to you. That's all that matters. Not the people in the stands, not the people outside of those lines. It is you and the guy to your left and your right and that is all that is gonna win that game. And when I visualize, I used to go into Target, I used to be on the Hilo or whatever vehicle we were using to get there, and I'm visualizing the worst case scenarios, I'm visualizing myself winning, I'm visualizing myself pushing through. And I always said that if I get blown up, if I get shot, if I get stunned, or no matter what happens to me, if I can crawl and I can move my trigger finger, I am coming after you with everything that I have tenaciously to try to kill you. And that's the mentality that. that you have to have in everything that you do. Everything below that mentality will give you a lower result. And you won't reach your, your full potential in anything else that you do because you need that Jeez. level of intensity in order to accomplish what you're doing. And I told those guys, that's the attitude that you need to apply with what's going on out that field. Whether you're injured, whether you got bumped, it doesn't matter. The so only why can thing that matters. why can you relate it to something? Well, it's easier for you because it's your life on the line. Well, uh, now we're talking about football players. Well, it's a game. It's a game. Do, you know, they're making millions. Who cares? To them, that game is everything. everything. So, how can the people at home today listen to this? And what can you give them? How do how do you? Because to me. Uh, um, my training, my meditation at four to six is is my life in a sense, um, and and that battle sets me up to be, or try to be the best father I can, the best boyfriend to Mona I can, the the best uh, friend I can be to Rez or anybody, and 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 to live the path that I've been living. What can you tell to these people that will help them? Well, I think the easy thing to do is look at guys like us. And guys like me, they're like, well, you've been through all that experience, so whatever excuse that you come out with after that. And the reality is, is that you have to be able to connect it with the fact that we all think the same. The way our minds are programmed, the way the body responds to stimulus, the way the body responds to a workout or a threat or an environment and this adversity is that the principles are gonna stay the same. And it's the same thing I was talking about before where the guy that has nothing that is just struggling to survive, that needs to feed his kids, is gonna wake up at two o'clock and do everything he can to get after it, right? Yep. And the guy that has everything, that has his phone and he's comfortable and he's got a roof over his head, he's like, he can just sit back and kinda, you know, chill out and do whatever he wants to. But you need to be able to tap into that survival instinct, and I call it the will to fight. It's your willingness to engage no matter what the circumstances are. You have to be able to tap into that. And when I looked at the Trident when I was young, it was easy for me to fixate on that one thing. I don't know if you ever read the book, The One Thing. It's an awesome book. I haven't. But it's, it's about focusing on what the most important thing that you should be doing is. And that goes with our purpose too. So it was easy when I saw the Trident to be like, yeah, that's whatever is encompassed in that goal, I'm going to accomplish. So for me, when I got out of the military, I'm like, whoa, okay, well, I got a Trident, 
But now what's my new one thing that I'm going to fix it at? I'm not going to lie. It was, it was a lot to refocus on that and say, where am I at? I don't have a trident to reach for. What is it? What is it that I'm striving for? And I literally was reading that book and luckily I had the time to do it. It was on a Saturday and I read this thing that said, if you don't know what your one thing is, that your goal is, you need to stop everything that you're doing right now and figure it out. You need to figure it out. So I put the book down and I sat there in a quiet room and I don't know why I was quiet. I don't know where my kids were. <laughs> but I sat there in that room and I stared at the wall for an hour being like, what is, what is my this? one thing? And reforging that in my mind, I really had to question myself of what, am I, what do I exist for? What is God calling me to do in this life? What is the ultimate purpose of why I'm supposed to be here? What is my legacy going to be? And what are the people staring at my casket going to be thinking when I'm dead? And we all have to ask ourselves that question. And if you don't have it, you have to find that. And that's the reforging of that saying to myself like, what is my ability to connect with that level of conviction for the rest of my life to be able to accomplish anything that it entails, just like the Trident. So I believe that that's how I've been able to reforge my mentality and my intensity that I apply to everything that I do. And for me, it was realizing that God has called me to be a warrior for him in this life, to be able to make a difference for the better, to be able to uh, apply principles and values and morals, to be a good husband, to be a good father, to be a good friend, to be a good brother, to be the example that people need and when I, look at, when I look at the kids in this country and in the world that are struggling for leadership, that don't have great parents, that need something, I'm like, I literally feel like it's my duty every morning to wake up and give those children something to aspire to be. And I, I literally I carry that on my shoulder and I'm totally fine uh, with carrying that burden. So listening to you, something triggered my mind. Um, the value of life. Well, wait a minute. You went off to the military, so you were willing to give up your life uh, for the country. Um, so that's maybe why you're a little bit uh, focused. And what's funny is you were willing to believe in something and do something wholeheartedly, not because you're willing to give up your life in a sense. Maybe I'm wrong, but it's because you value your life so much and feel that you can do so much that you respect life so much that you are going to give everything you freaking have, regardless if that means that I'm going to battle to save America and, and save my brothers and die. Is that is what's going? So, so the World War II generation, which I always talk about. You is, agree though that you value life so much that you're not going to sit back and play video games I mean, all day and eat uh, and go like, whatever. What we have to realize is that freedom is only one generation from extinction. That's it. It's the truth. So the second we stop fighting for what we really stand for and believe in and exist in this world for, right. it's gone. So we have to all have a, a, a level of acceptance of what that means to everybody's individual life. You know, when you talk about the military in general, you talk about what you've really understood about it is that there's a quote that freedom has a flavor which those who fight for it understand. Right? Freedom has a different flavor for those who fight for it. And you start to embrace and realize the reality, the, the extent of which we really need to step up every day. Those guys in World War II, they knew they were going to die. They literally walked out of the back of those boats knowing that they were probably going to yeah. die. But, they, but it took that inch, that foot, to be able to make a little bit of momentum for freedom. And when I think about when I was in, my nephews, my nieces, literally I'd be going on target. Being like, fuck, I could die tonight. Like, I could lose my life. But you know what? If I do, I'm taking somebody with me because it's going to make a difference in the world for the good of human life, for the value of what we all stand for, right? To protect those young children and their future and give them an opportunity. And I always say, like, people get confused because I'm like, what is good and what is evil? Well, you tell me. I can tell you very clearly. Good is the guys that are going to stand up as the shield and put everybody that's innocent regardless of their beliefs behind them. Period. Oh, we're going to say that again because I want them to hear regardless of their beliefs. Regardless of their beliefs. You're willing to protect. Willing you're to willing protect to stand there with costs. a shield. No matter that's what. That's a different person. That is, a, no uh, that is such a leader. It that does is such, not matter to me. That's a real life superhero. That's what that is. Well. To me. I mean. That's, that's it, pinnacle. 
we talk about that mindset, and I think it's it's critical to understand is like I went over there and had to accept that every day that I'm over here fighting for people that don't even think that I should be here, you know, and I'm okay with that. We and talked about that earlier. We, did we talk talked about, about that because it bugs me. Uh, and, and, and I didn't do any time in the military, but it bugs me that, uh, and I've, but I've traveled the world and I've seen how the rest of the world is and, and some beautiful places out there. But when it comes down to it, if you said, where would you want to live your life? It's in America, 100% in America. And, and um, it's frustrating to hear people talk about uh, the military and stuff that haven't traveled, haven't done anything in that sense, and, and they enjoy the freedom. I don't want to get into this because yeah, but I don't know enough about it. I'm but not, you know what, though? though I, know but, where I know where you're going, and, and the thing that I'll explain is that it's fairly recent. Like, if you look at uh, world history in general, how long we've been here for, it's fairly recent since World War II where we fought for so much freedom that it's given people the ability to be ignorant and take things for granted here. Okay, and that's fine. But the thing that does it bother me because I hate that. That hurts. It, it hurts a lot. But listen, this is the reality in the world that we live in right now. And like I said, as long as it's always three hundred, we'll be okay. But when you look at the mentality of of how people have become so removed, and the 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 kind of survey that I did out in the world when I was like, man, this is crazy. When I got out of the military, I was like, let me ask people. I was like, so what will it take you? to shift your mindset to think that we really need to be proactively going out and attacking these guys uh, and the evil that exists in the world? Or what do you think it's gonna take for you to be able to protect yourself and think that you need to defend your home with a gun? And eventually, what I got out of most people that don't already agree is that they, it had to be personal. So most of the time when you hear the news, you're like, I never thought it would happen to me, or I didn't right. think it would be in that yeah. neighborhood. And like that's the mentality that we're dealing with. So I, I, I fully reject that mentality, and for me, it's about embracing reality. So anybody that's in my life, I force you to embrace reality because I have the experience to show you. But for most people, it wasn't until it got personal and their door got kicked in that they would take it seriously. Now, I always say, we, I want you to be prepared because I care about people to be able to protect yourself when you need it. This is why we do these things in case we need it. Like, I would rather you have it and not need it than need it and not yeah, have, have it. it. And like, that's a, that's a shitty place to be, you know, to be like, wow, I wish I did more to set myself up for success here. Like the chances of us getting into a scenario are small, but why wouldn't I want to crush that down to nothing if it meant my life depended on it? Why wouldn't I want to do everything that I possibly could to protect my kids and my family? There was a, uh, you just said something that reminds me of a great quote. It, uh, a student asked his teacher, why do you teach me um, fighting and martial arts? Uh, when you believe in peace, and he says, I would rather you be uh, a gardener that Damn. can fight instead of a gardener that's in a fight, yeah. in, in a sense. Um, so I'd rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. In a war. Yeah, yeah. There you go. You knew it. So you I, knew yeah, the same well, it's, one. It's what, listen, see, that's I, so. I want peace probably more than most people that I know because I, like, I have Because you've seen the other right? side too. And, I, and I've also seen the other side. But, but knowing that I want my kids to come up in a world, of course I want the perfect world where we can all just get along and be fine and everybody's able to do their thing. That's not reality. And if we don't fight for it, guess what? That reality goes away really quickly. And that's where you start accepting the fact that the guys in the military, you learn a lot being there. You're like, oh, okay, there is some pretty bad people. Listen, I've been on target where our, the high value targets that we're going after are literally holding babies in their arms so we don't shoot them to use them as shields. See, that's, that's and putting most innocent people, people can't relate with. So that analogy that I said, no matter what your beliefs, I will protect you as the shield and being the good in the world. They think the exact opposite. They attack innocent people. They kill innocent targets with civilians. They don't care. And to me, that is the primary definition and explanation of what evil is. There's no value for human life. And if, if you do that, then where does it end? What's the, what's the line? What is, good, what is good and bad at that point? Where's, where's the uh, principal system start if you don't value human life? You just took it to a whole different level and, and to me made it so, so real. And even more so, I'm supportive to what you have done and, and others in the military. And one of the things that I said uh, earlier and, uh, is I'm going to try to be a, an incredible father without not being too hard on him. And so I want to put him around a surround, surround him with 
people like you, uh, people like Rez, um, obviously be around Mona, but if, if I can have a circle of people that have that kid thinking differently than everybody else, I'm in a good start. So is there any kind of tip you can give me as a father um, going forward on, on how to establish good steps at this stage? So how, how old is he? He's three months old. He's three months old. I know he's the size of a, a large bodybuilder, awesome. but... <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it's everything. You know, I have four kids, so, you know, my biggest investment is into my children, the time that I get with my children. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that you read out there, like, oh, make sure, you know, we live this crazy entrepreneurial lifestyle that's, we're always traveling and moving, like, oh, just make sure you get good quality time. Well, you need quantity time as well. You need reps with your kids, because you're gonna learn, just like everything else that we do, you expose yourself in the gym, you find weaknesses, it's the same thing with being a father. The principles don't change. I need to expose myself to that environment and find my weaknesses as a father. And like I said, the biggest thing that I've learned is that I have a nine-year-old, a six-year-old, a two-year-old, and a one-year-old. She just turned one. And when I look right at... Right in front of me. All right. Yeah. All right. right? My experience is, you know, Navy SEAL father. I got my first boy. You know, my wife asked me, she's like, how many kids do you want? I'm like, as many as it takes to have a boy. <laughs> you, know, you should have seen the look on her face when we found out we were having a boy. She's like, oh, thank God. Um, but... My experience with my boys, I was just like, get going, suck it up, you know, figure it out. So no matter how young he was, I thought driving him at that young age was going to help him. Right. I'm sure there's definitely some forging that I did with him. How it translates to how he gets older, I'm going to have to see. This is a constant learning process. But what I saw, some of the things that I was putting a lot of effort into early on, not come to fruition later, I was like, huh, I've been doing this for five years, six years, and really it hasn't started to stick yet. Now, there are some subtleties that started to stick along the way with being able to forge his mindset of not quitting, being able to push through things that are uncomfortable. But what I started to realize is that the trust that we have with each other. When I'm like, hey, jump in the water. He's like, mm, I don't know. It might be way colder than I'd like to deal with right now. Instead of just looking at me and be like, yeah, whatever you say, Dad, I'm in. Right? There's a little bit of hesitation. And I think the hesitation was built on pushing him through some moments that were difficult. You know, I made him get in the water a couple of times and then I'm just isolating one example. I'm trying to really explain this so people that are parents can understand it, is that I pushed him to get in there to the point where he was crying. He's like, why, why are you making me get in the water? I don't want to do it. And it was just, we all know and I know that it's just a mental game. But does he understand that? Does he comprehend that it's a mental game? Or is it just dad making me get in the damn cold water? Right. So there's, when you isolate that mindset, to me what I started to realize is that it's heavily based on trust. You have to be able to build trust. So my two-year-old, my boy, my, my second boy, clings to me nonstop. And like our trust and our bond is so tight because I've learned and applied that to my other children. Well, I'm like, it's only gonna be about trust. So instead of you bump your head, and I pick you up and make you get on your feet and keep walking, and you're crying, I'm like, suck it up, you know, like just rub, rub, right, right. rub it and rub it. go walk it off. Put some dirt on it, we're good. Exactly. Well, just that concept alone, what I realized is that I needed to be there for him. So even if he bumped his head, fell down, cried, cold, whatever it was, it was less about the environment and the stimulus, and it had everything to do with my connection with him, with being like, look, I'm here for you, and whatever this is that you're going through, we're gonna do it together. Keeping it simple, explaining it, but that has everything to do with the trust. I have no doubt right now, if I told my two-year-old, he's almost going to be three, that if I told him to do something, he'd be like, got it, Dad. I'm in. Boom. In the water. Tried it. In here. I'll pick this up. I'll do the push-ups you tell me to. I'll try whatever you tell me to. Huge difference. And it's been a learning curve. So I'd say that that is the biggest place to start. Don't get so wrapped up on the environment because you have to... Every child is going to develop differently, and every one of my kids is different. So I've got four reps at this. And recognizing that there's no way for us to tell whether they're really taking in the environment that you're giving them and they understand the why behind you're trying to teach them. So you might be going to, going to gym at three or four years old, you're going to get stronger. He might not have the brain power to really understand the way you do that he's going to get in there and go stronger. It's going to be good for him for the rest of his life. Right. What you need to understand is that the trust being built first is everything. Because then when he does understand the why, he's going to trust you. 
he's already going to have built that, like, well, I know my dad's doing the right thing, so I'm just going to follow his every move because he hasn't let me down yet. That's the biggest aspect of it, if I had to say one thing. And then the second layer to support everything that I just said is your follow-through in your word. If you tell your kids you're going to do something, follow through uh, with it and okay. do not let them down. Such a big thing. You're building reps with them every time. You're like, hey, we're going to go to get ice cream later. You're like, oh, something came up. You know, we weren't able to get ice cream. Uh, let's go build Legos later. Oh, sorry, something came up. I wasn't able to build Legos. To me, there's no more important thing than keeping my word. And even me personally as a father, I say maybe a lot because it kind of leaves it open-ended. But they, do they understand maybe or is there a chance? So when you give them a chance, and this is something that I'm personally working on right now, to be very definitive. Like, hey, we're not going to have time today because i got to do X. And you know what? If I do it, wow, he surprised me. Right? right. But if I say that I'm going to do something, I do everything that I possibly can. I will move mountains to follow through with it and always be the dad that said what I was, and did what I said I was going to do every single time. So that trust and that repetition and not letting them down develops their ability to understand what they're going to do too. When they develop their mindset of like when they tell somebody something. We're programming, we're programming, programming them at an early age. We're giving them the decision making, their ability to fight through problems their tenacity, uh, their loving uh, ability to take care of people and nurture, it's all being developed. So those are the two main things that I would say I've taken on of being a father and that I take very seriously. See, I can see some of the things that I was raised with um, that maybe slipped on that. Um, so that's a, that's a great aspect. I'm taking some of that stuff. I'm taking most of that stuff. <laughs> um, and that way I can also blame it on you if he turns out, yeah, you know. <laughs> I'll, come, I'll, I'll, I'll fly back out here and uh, <laughs> straighten them out. to work on it, you know. But my boys too, you know, it's good to see them develop. I feel pretty safe with Mona being the mom. Yeah, that's good. What's up, kid? You good? I'm good, yeah. All right, so um, USA, the country, what does it mean to you? Well, it's God's country. Um, obviously, everything it belongs to God. But, you know, when we look at how we were founded, Everything from our, you know, we were solidified in our constitution by men that had Judeo-Christian values and that applied those principles to everything that they did, every decision they made. You know, like, that, that is a fact. Most of the men that wrote the constitution were Christians. They followed Christ and they believed in the value of human life and the principles of everything that they were doing. So when they built that document, they built that document based off of what they believed God was calling them to do and why people are like, that is the best document in the world. It's one of the best documents in existence. Why it's, we have our freedom here to this day. The things that we've been able to protect were inherently driven by those men and been able to protect this freedom. And look how much freedom that we have in this country. It is amazing. And we keep going back to the people that take it for granted, but you can never forget where you are. I mean, how nice is it to go to state to state and not have everybody stop you at a checkpoint? I mean, people don't even think of that, but like, that's what happens in most of the world. Um, most countries don't have showers. Most countries, literally, they wipe themselves off with a rag. Yep. They don't even have showers or running water. The list goes on and on and on of things that we have that are an amazing blessing. And it, it's waking up every day and be like, wow, look how epic this environment is that I live in and appreciating every bit of it, the beauty in this country, the freedom in this country that we've been given. And to me, that's worth fighting for. And it's worth fighting for to give people that level of freedom. I love the creativity that comes out of this country. I love the people that have been born out of this country. And when I see the aspect of how we should be leading, I feel like we're starting to lose our way a lot, especially from a cultural aspect. Like when I think of politics, it's exactly what they are. They're politics. Left, right, whatever. Like I follow God ultimately. Like any leader in the world, like there's never going to be any man that you're like, that guy has 100% of everything that I want to become, right? There's always going to be different elements of that. And the leadership aspect of it is always been broken to a certain extent. So seeing where we are now and the divide in our country, it breaks my heart. Because I'm like, that's not what this is about, guys. I don't want a Democrat or a Republican. I want a leader to lead our country. I just want a good leader. Can we just have a good leader? So when I think of where we're going now, it's like, what can I do for my position to help unify people, to be stronger together, and to be stronger to work together to realize the impact that we could have if we were doing it together? We're so fragmented 
Um, I believe in this country with all my heart because obviously I fought for it. I mean, the guys that I've seen sacrifice everything, it means everything to me. There's been a lot of lives lost to increase our freedom here in this country. And, you know, I said it before, but we're always just one generation away from freedom being extinct. And we have to remember that. And we have to be able to step up and remind ourselves and teach our children how we got here. It's so important. Do not ignore the history books. The history books of how we got here in the Civil War, the battles that took place, every little detail has allowed us to get right where we are today and they are all important and they need to be understood. So, you know, for me, it's, it's something that uh, I, I'm blessed to be here. It's amazing to be able to go to Gold's Gym in Venice Beach, crush a workout, hang out together. Nobody's bothering us. We can do whatever we want. We have amazing freedom here. And I would just say that nobody should ever take that for granted and always just appreciate what we have here and remember that it takes a fight to keep it. Um, 100% with you. Team. Team has to mean a lot to you. What does team represent to you? It's kind of like what I just talked about too, about unifying people, is you're always gonna be stronger together for a bigger purpose than yourself. You're always gonna make more of an impact. I look at people as force multipliers. You know, we're force multiplying right now just being in the same room with each other. You know, that somebody's gonna get value out of what we're talking about. So automatically when you do something together, you create a team. And through adversity and challenge, the team gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And it's just like, if I had to meet somebody for the first day, right? If, if we just linked up and we were gonna do something, like how would I get as close to him as I possibly could? How could I learn more about him than anything else that we could do. Throw us in a firefight. Send, <laughs> send, send, bullets, send bullets to the window right now. Let's see how everybody in the room reacts, what they do, how they respond, where they go. Are they fighters or are you gonna run? Are you going to work together? What mental processes are gonna happen in that moment? And like instantaneously you could become best friends. Like, dude, I was thinking the same thing. We maneuvered, we were able to flank the guy, we grabbed him out of the bushes and friggin' stomped his head in, right? Whatever it is. Right. So when I look at a team, like there's something amazing about a team that is, is in sync and working together and has the same goals. It just force multiplies you and everything else you do. So seeking that out can be difficult, especially in today's day and age. Like we have the corporate structure and the corporate team, yeah. right? Like that's your nine to five, hey, we have to work together and figure out some type of a unified purpose. But like a real legit team that lives, eats and breathes together I mean, to me, it is almost unstoppable. It's like the guys that I worked with in the, in the command. I love that you said that. Because you became, you came from a team, SEAL Team 6. You can't really go, I can't think of a team, not even, not even a pro football team is closer because you guys are covering each other's backs for life, uh, life and death. Um, and so that team is like the pinnacle but there's a team that you should rebuild or have. Um, and like I got the Titan crew. And in this crew, there's core values. And I imagine cool. with you guys, you had core values. You know, with us, it, it's um, keep it simple. Um, keep it positive. Uh, we all have bad days. Let's keep moving forward. Support each other. Um, these are some of the things that we believe in. And you're a guy that you had a team and you just said something that I love because I feel like I've grown today just being around you and part of the team. How do we tell these people out there they need a team instead of just being an individual? Oh, I'm by myself. I'm good. I'm, I don't need nothing. I don't need to learn anything. I think it's realizing that when we're not around people that we can't learn from, we're going to become stagnant. We're going to become stagnant in our own thoughts and ideas. I need people to challenge me. I want people to challenge me. I want to go to the gym. I want you looking at me and being like, you can tweak this. You can make this better. Try this. Try something different. I'm like, boom, light bulbs are going off. I'm growing. I'm creating stimulus in my mind that's going to make me better in everything else that I do. So without the right people around me that are going to push me to that level, like you're just, ma you're just maintaining, right? The word that I we said that you didn't like. Word. Yeah, we hate that word. We hate that word. Right? So I don't want to just maintain. And... I think that there's a level of, no matter what your personality is, I think there's a level of comfort that comes along with maintaining and just being like, hey, I'm just going to be by myself. I'm going to do my thing. Is that I'm always in life seeking people that are going to help me challenge myself and help me improve and see the world from a different perspective. 
Like the older I get, the more I learn. I say that all the time. Like I'm 37 now, but like I know I'll learn more tomorrow than I did today because I'm more wise to what I need to be paying attention to. What's real and what's not real. What's important and what's not important. So I think from the standpoint of being in a team, you have the opportunity to see what works, what doesn't work, what you like, what you don't like, who helps you, who doesn't help you, what holds you back, what pushes you. So when you identify those things, like you need to take mental notes and apply them. If I have a team and I have somebody holding me back, I mean, this is with anything. Sometimes it sucks and it's hard to confront, especially in today's age. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, right? right? And truly, I, I do want to see everybody be the best version of themselves. But there's also an aspect that you need to be able to recognize when somebody is being detrimental to your success and your progress and your strength is that you need to have the ability to take the hard decision and hard road and say, it's time for them to go. I'm not saying you shouldn't work on it, but the quicker you can remove people from your team and your life that are holding you back in a negative way, and it's almost like some people grow up with that. They grow up with like just a negative constantly. They don't realize how much it's holding them back, even if they're doing well. Think about how much better you could be doing if somebody wasn't in your ear holding you back or being an obstacle or you know, free yourself, break those chains. And then bring, it's, it's the more you do I what you love. I love that you said that out loud. The more that you do what you love, the more that you do what you're passionate about, the more you hang out with people that are like-minded and goal-driven, you'll attract more of the same people. And there's a forging process that takes place there that sucks sometimes. And it sucks to, to, to confront the reality that like, wait a minute, this guy's been in my life forever and I thought we were gonna do this together, but that got broken down and reconstructed, but it's because you're being forged. You're being forged for something better. And as long as you're staying focused and you're moving forward, you're gonna attract more of the people that you're trying to become. It's a harsh reality. And it is, Because it it's one of those really things does. that is, if you date someone and it's not working, well then you end it. But it should be that way with everybody that's in your circle. Uh, maybe you're not dating the guy, but that's your boy and your friend, um, but they're kind of slacking over here and they start bringing you down and go, well, let's skip this, skip this, skip this. Uh, very negative. Trying to remove that person. You still love them, the great person, yeah. but until they come and, and hit the reality, uh, and I've had to do that in the last 10 years of my life as I get older and older, it's, it's amazing how uh, you gotta really clear out some that are just like, I've done my life, I'm good, I'm peaked, I'm done. Yeah, and the, there's, there's a hard reality of what you just said to confront. Because say you have somebody in your life that you really do care about and you really want to see the best version of themselves, and you have the uncomfortable conversations. But there's something that you need to understand is that if you have somebody around you that's pulling you down and holding you back, sooner or later, guess what? You can't be the best version of yourself if you're letting them do that to you. And it's not that you don't care about them, and in fact, if you're doing the same thing over and over again, and I'm like, hey, I'm trying to help you, I'm trying to help you, I'm trying to help you, and you're not having an effect, and there's still the negative connotation there, the worst thing that you're probably doing is hanging out and continuing to give them what they're not taking in and you're, you're validating their, their existence when you're trying, 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 it's like it's time to hit the reset button in some aspect. And if that's leaving their life or breaking away or shifting it up or changing it up, see what happens. What's the worst thing that can happen? The same thing? Or you find out something about yourself and them that you didn't know about. And you know what? The good people and the people that really truly care about you and love you and that are going to do, do everything for you, they're always going to be there. They're not going to go away. You know, and my dad always said, you're only really gonna be able to count your true friends on one hand and you can't use your thumb. Like, that's throughout your whole life. You get forged and challenged through all this and, and it, it's it's Yeah, it's one true. thing I heard as a kid too. It's like, nah, you're, you're probably gonna go through and then you're gonna have five good friends. And that's it. And you're just like, wait a minute, I've met millions. Right. No, no, it's, it's not that way. Yeah, and we think about our time too. Like, time is our most valuable resource. It's a hard thing to confront because we, you know, we live in a, a world where we have a thousand friends on Facebook and we get you know, all these followers and it's like, well, what are, what are friends? Facebook says you have friends. Those aren't friends. Right. Those are little like, people online with a little box and a face. Like, at the end of the day, true people in your life, if you have a family and you have a career, your time is so valuable. Like, how much time do you really have to put true meaning into the relationships that you do have? You can't have more than five people that you're really engaging with on, a, on an intimate level that you're like, I'm here for you no matter what. I'm showing up no matter what. I'm gonna be here for you. I'm gonna pick up the phone. 
you can't do that with too many people in your life. And if you try to do it with thousands of people, guess what? Your relationship's going to be shitty with all of them because you're not going to be. Able and to we've seen it. people like that. These guys hit celebrity and they got all the money, and then they got a posse of twenty people. And sooner or later, they just collapse. Right. Because they're trying to just, oh, hey, I'm bringing you all with me. And you're sharing, and then everybody just takes from you. There's a difference between a, uh, a person that likes you and a person that values you. Um, Instagram, Facebook, and all that, they like you. Um, the people that value you are getting a hold of you in a different way. You know, they're, they're, if you're putting out an email, they're listening to what you're having to say. Um, and, and they're changing their lives. Or the people that like you just gonna, hey, you got abs, cool, that's great. You squat a lot, okay, cool deal. That doesn't do anything for you. Um, your mindset is is second level. I loved everything about today, from the training to talking uh, to fatherhood um, and and the aspects, man. Thanks for hanging out today, yeah, brother. Yeah, man, it's awesome, dude. Yeah, it's been it's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot, Mike. It was I a great, appreciate great training this. session this morning. So.